You're listening to The Collective Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.co.za. Good morning. I'm going to talk today about the life flow of revival. And actually, I'm going to be doing it in two parts. So the first part, which is today, will be more personalized. And, and then the following, the next part, which will come up next week, will be about the cities. It will, will extend beyond our own personal world to the cities, the nations, and the church universal, the Bride of Christ. So I'm very excited about it. It's very close to my heart. And I just pray the Holy Spirit speaks to us all and does that beautiful reviving work as we talk about it. It's not just words, but really a deep work of the Spirit in our hearts as we listen and explore this. The word revive, that's what I'm going to start with. And what a beautiful word that is. Um, let's just unpack it a bit. What are its different meanings? Revive, renew, revitalize, resuscitate, regenerate. Powerful. Revive, bringing dying or dead things to life. And in a way, looking around, looking at the gardens, nature, the earth can actually teach us about what reviving or revival actually means. Because in winter, if you think back of winter, everything looked totally dead. And yet when spring comes, life just bursts out all over the place and everything comes alive. It's just a beautiful parallel between the natural and the spiritual in that, I think. And thinking back of the spring we've just had, 2020, it was actually a very significant and powerful um, experience, I think, because our winter that preceded that spring coincided with lockdown. And you'll remember lockdown and winter. It was these scenes flashing across our uh, our screens, often right at the beginning scenes in Europe where there was winter, people were isolated, they were locked down, people in little apartments were by themselves, people suffering and even dying, actually all alone, shut down. Everything felt shut down, dead. Businesses were dead, many of them. Restaurants closed, schools closed. Whole economies seemed to be dying. And then gradually we looked at our gardens and kind of watched them die too. We had bad frost. Many of my plants withered, they went black. They looked in serious need of some resuscitation, I have to say. And even the trees, although we know they're not all dead, they looked pretty bare and pretty dead. And then, again a parallel more or less the time when lockdown was opening up a bit and we could resume some of our social interactions and come out. Spring came and started busting out all over the place. Glorious, glorious spring. The jasmine started to bloom. The beautiful, exquisite smell of jasmine. Roses, the smell of roses. People would phone up and say, come and have tea, come and have lunch under my wisteria on the patio. And we could taste the feel of living a fuller life. This beautiful springtime life growing again. 
um, grass started to take off and become lawn. Even those bare branches where it looked like nothing would ever actually grow. They were the green shoots, the blossoms, glorious. And that was the time too when we could start to look at the outside world, look at the world around us in terms of business and start to get on with trying to revive things. And to a lesser or greater extent, that might have begun to happen. But I just want to talk into some of those dead things where we feel perhaps the spring, the life, hasn't come. So I'm going to use nature often as a parallel, as an illustration, because I think Jesus often did this in his teachings. He talked about wheat fields, he talked about vineyards, he talked about the lilies of the fields and the birds. And I never fail to be inspired and in awe when I look around me at the natural world, at things in nature, because God actually speaks to me very powerfully through those pictures and often actually very prophetically. So there is that parallel. And as in nature, so in the spiritual and the various parts and aspects of our lives. I read last weekend a lovely quote, and this is how it goes. True revival is that divine moment when God bursts upon the scene and displays his glory. Isn't that wonderful? When God bursts upon the scene and displays his glory. And as I've just said, spring was like a picture of that to me. But I want us to focus now on the spiritual aspect and just receive into a deeper part than just our heads, into our, our hearts and souls, this truth. That the life flow of the spirit brings revival to every aspect of our lives. When deep intimacy with Jesus allows his presence to penetrate every innermost part of our beings, dead areas of our lives come to life again. Let's just reflect, let's just pause on those words. When deep intimacy with Jesus allows his presence to penetrate every innermost part of our beings, dead areas of our lives come to life. Let's look at John 15. It's an amazing passage. It means a great deal to me. And, and in this chapter, Jesus describes himself as the true vine. Here again, the natural and the spiritual. And um, it always makes me think of those beautiful fields, the vineyards in Tuscany, the vineyards in, Cape, in the Cape. So there we go. Jesus brings it right down and says, I am the true vine. We read from verse 4. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you, neither, excuse me, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And as he says further on in verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask 
whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Remain in Jesus. Remain in his love. The deep intimacy of his love. Our love poured out in and for him. His love poured out into our hearts by his spirit. The living sap of life, like flowing through that oneness with him. No life without connection to the vine. No wine without the vine. It's like the pouring out of his spirit as an infilling and an overflowing of new wine is always connected to being one with Jesus. He lives in me, I live in him. And the living sap of life flowing through us gives good grapes. And the reviving life flow of the Spirit gives us, through those grapes, the new wine of Pentecost. I, there's a beautiful connection and there's a beautiful truth to that, I believe. So, can we put some practical handles on intimacy of the Lord? How, how does that look? Is it just, like, how do we live that out in practice? Um, it's not only sort of a mystical state of mind or an attitude of heart. Certainly, it is an attitude of heart, but we know the heart um, determines all the issues of life. But I believe we can also put some practical application into that. And I want to suggest that one very significant part of our relationship with Jesus is prayer. There has never been a movement of the Spirit of God that hasn't been preceded by prayer. And I've read that countless times. In the accounts and the histories of previous um, revivals, this is often mentioned, this is often said, there's never been a move of God that has not been preceded by prayer. And when we say that, I think we all know that I'm not talking about the list kind, when you just run down a list of things to ask like kind of ordering off a menu, we, we know that what we're talking about here is communion of spirit to spirit. It's, perhaps we could describe it as the intimate two-way conversation where actually his voice becomes louder than ours. It's that seeking his face, thirsting for him, thirsting for his presence, being hungry for more. My God, Psalm 26 says, my God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Deep, calling to deep, where you pour out your heart in just abandonment and surrender and absolute humility to just drink 
and receive and eat more of who he is to receive more of that nourishment, that living sap of the spirit. Prayer encounters where you are overwhelmed by the love of Jesus, the love of the Father, the love of the Spirit, and where you know that to love him and to serve him is the greatest adventure of your life ever and the greatest fulfillment of who you are as a person. I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants to remind us today that only he, only Jesus, only the Lord can wake you up to real fullness of life. Only he can do that. And as the reviving life of God does a work within us, only he can bring the dead places in you and the people around you. Only he can bring those dead places to life again. I'm sensing that we might have prayed for people. You might have experienced this. You might have prayed for people and perhaps for situations where you've, you've just seen no change. You've seen no response. Other areas you might have ministered, you might have actually worked hard, you've pushed on in faith, and you haven't seen a huge reward. You've sown seeds, but you've not reaped a harvest. But today, I want to give you a promise that I feel is for us today, and it's from Psalm 126, verse 5. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Take that for yourself personally. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Um, there's a wonderful testimony that I'd like to share. We did review it last year, but I'd like to actually just tell it again. Because not only is it encouraging, but it also carries the power of prophetically calling into being the next Thing similar to this testimony that God wants to do in our lives. So let's take it personally and say, what's in there that I want to take for myself? The testimony is the story of Mary Monson. Um, you might not know her name very well, some might not have even heard of her, but Brother Yoon talks about her in his book. In fact, this is the story of his life. Um, and the story of how seeds that she sowed in her ministry in China actually sprang into just this huge revival. So what is her story? Mary, or Mari, depending on how you pronounce it, was a young single woman who arrived in China in 1901, brave, obedient to God's call, which was quite something because in 1900, it was actually the height of the Boxer Rebellion. And during that time, anti-foreigner sentiment was at its height. In fact, there was so much violence that it was incredibly dangerous to be in China if you were foreign. Um, the boxers massacred at least 150 missionaries and thousands and thousands of local Chinese Christians in that year. So the fact that Mari arrived in 1901 shows that she was, to me, a heroine of the faith and totally courageous. But it's interesting, and I think this is encouraging for us, that she herself talked only of actually sometimes feeling like a complete failure. She was sometimes like at the edge of despair. And she said, I can only say the overwhelming grace of God has brought me through and his amazing protection. 
So this is encouraging. She was tiny, as I said, small stature, but the local Chinese church called her a giant in the kingdom. She ministered in the church for 30 years, and then the door closed. In her ministry, there were miracles, there were signs and wonders, confirming the word of God. But after 30 years, there was a group of believers, and then when communism came, that era was over. She went back to her homeland in Norway, and what happened in China? It was the most terrible, terrible time. Um, you might think of Mao's Great Leap Forward experiment, which led to starvation across the land. Millions and millions of people died of hunger. Christians were not allowed to meet. Um, communism tried to stamp out and eradicate every trace of Christianity. And it was as if kind of faith disappeared from the scene. It was as if all those seeds that had been sown were dead. That's how it looked. What happened to the kingdom seeds sown by Mari and others during that time? Of course, we know that these weren't dead. And um, Brother Yun, as I mentioned in this book, he talks about what happened. At 1974, he was a young kid and his father contracted lung cancer. He was desperately ill. The family spent all their money, literally all their money, because they were very poor peasants, spent all their money on trying to get medicines for him, all to no avail. And one night, the mom, I mean, had actually been contemplating suicide. She was lying in bed, and she heard this voice, clear, tender, compassionate. This voice said, Jesus loves you. She's like, Jesus, Jesus. She began to remember that a woman had told her about this, that Mari had taught about Jesus. She got out of her bed. She just gave her life to the Lord there and then. She roused the rest of the family, I think five kids. They all gave their lives to Jesus and they began to pray through the night. Jesus, heal our father. Heal him, Jesus. Jesus, heal him. Through the night, an absolute miracle took place. Next morning, he began to eat. Within a week, he was completely healed. And then... It started this great reviving of all those seeds. They invited their friends. Of course, they weren't allowed to meet, so they brought, invited them to their home, friends and family, put covers on the windows, locked the doors, told them about this Jesus. Look what Jesus did. Tell, told them about who Jesus was and what he'd come for to save us. They gave their lives to the Lord, and of course, from there it happened. The underground house churches of China. So exciting. Mari left a legacy of revival seeds. Seemingly dead, but they were awakened. In the dirt and in the ground, through the life flow of revival, God brought glory. He brought harvest. The seeds came to life. And let's hear from someone who actually benefited so hugely by seeds that were sown um, during that time. This is from our brother's Yun, one of Brother Yun's books called Living Water. Let's just hear from him in his own words. He says, Everywhere Jesus goes, streams of living water flow into the lives of people. He is the epitome of God's blessing and life. Wherever he is, the dead come alive and the barren become fruitful. 
God desires to have an intimate and life-giving relationship with us. To all who believe in his Son, God gives his grace and provides living water to flow from within you, bringing life to every area of your life that has been unfruitful and broken. And as I said earlier, I'm just sensing today that what the Holy Spirit wants to do, what God wants to do, is to bring things to life. There might be things you've sown into for years and you you haven't really seen the reward. You haven't seen them thrive or bloom or bear fruit. Perhaps you've prayed for people and they actually seem no closer to Jesus or the kingdom of God now than they ever did. You haven't seen a response. You might have received God's promises, prophetic words, and you've, in faith you've held on to those. But it's like they haven't been realized. It, it feels like nothing's moving. There might be relationships that have just stagnated, grown cold. Maybe even your relationship with the Lord, you feel, has grown somewhat cold. Today, I believe with all my heart that he wants to say, I'm breathing life. There's a flow of life that's going to make those seeds spring into life in every area of our lives. God is the God of resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And we ask the Holy Spirit today to breathe life into all those seeds. The Lord wants to breathe life, the life flow of his reviving power to bring new life, to bring awakening. They're seeds of hope and of promise and of harvest, just waiting to be made alive, to be quickened by the Spirit and awakened by the life flow of God. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.co.za.